morning again and welcome. We're so glad that you are here for the very last week of this series called Fighting Fear. And so uh, turn to the person next to you and say, get ready to fight some fear today. Would you do that real quick? Tell the person next to you, get ready to fight some fear. And uh, we want to say welcome to those of you watching in the parent viewing room too. That's a great place to go if you have little ones that get fussy during the service. Uh, right down the hallway past the coffee and donuts, there's a room there where you can watch the service live with us. And right inside of your bulletin should be some message notes. If you want to go ahead and grab those out right now, if everyone can do that with us. And I grab the pen and you'll have something to take with you uh, as we wrap up today. And the last couple of weeks we've been talking about something that we all deal with, fear, anxiety, worry. And we actually started the series by asking these three questions. Number one, who by worrying can add a single hour to their life? Who by worrying can add a single hour to their life? Question number two is this, who of you have worried so much that it's taken a year or more off of your life and you know it? Or number three, is there anything more valuable than staying alive and will worry help you achieve that? And if those things are true, we've got to tackle this thing called worry, don't we? But where does it even come from? Why do we battle with it so much? And here I want to give you just a simple definition of why you and I worry and where it comes from. And it's your first filling on your notes. It says this, the things you are most devoted to stirs up the most worry in your life. The things you are most devoted to stirs up the most worry in your life. In other words, you're often most fearful of the things that mean the most to you. Isn't that true? Maybe you've experienced that in your own life. If you were to tackle your top two or three worries, you would say, yes, those are the things that I am most devoted to in my life. Now, as we start today, I do have a bit of a confession to make. And so I have three, in fact. And the first one is this. I do not worry about your job. Now, if you were to lose your job and you were to email me, I'd have compassion for you. I'd have empathy for you. I'd be praying for you. I'd even try to maybe network and try to figure out how we can get some balls rolling for you. But if I'm being honest, I don't sit at home and worry about your job. You know why? Because I'm not devoted to your job. Confession number two. I have never worried about your kids' grades. Never, ever. Do I care? Well, sure I care. But I'm not devoted to your kids' Grades. Confession number three, I am not worried about your 401k, right? And as much as I would love for you to retire young and like millionaires, I want that for everyone. I do not stay up at night and lose sleep over your retirement accounts. Why? Because I am not devoted to those things. See, the things in our life that we're most devoted to are the things that garner the most worry in our lives. I'm worried about the things that I am most devoted to. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying to us in Matthew chapter 6. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn there. In just a moment, it will be up on the screen and you can follow along. But when Jesus begins this conversation with the crowd about worry, can you imagine what the subject, number one, that he brings up in talking about? Anyone have an idea? Anybody? Money. Thank you. Yes, Jesus starts with money. And we pick it up in Matthew 6, 24, and it says this. Jesus is talking. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be, what's that word? Devoted to the one 
and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Did you know that over 70% of Americans say their number one worry and fear is money? This book was written 2,000 years ago, and it is still relevant today for our lives. And we could translate money this way, and it's your next fill-in. Money would equal mammon or just your stuff, right? We're talking about money and your stuff. And God is saying real clearly, your next fill-in, that you can't be fully devoted to God and fully devoted to your stuff. You're going to have to choose between the two. Jesus is trying to help us paint this picture about devotion and that it always leads to the emotion in our lives. Devotion leads to emotion. And so he talks about how this big emotion for us is money and he says you cannot serve both God and money. You're going to have to choose where you're going to put your devotion. And wherever you put your devotion is the kind of emotion you will get out of that choice. And we'll explain more as we go along. But he's asking the question, which will you be devoted to? Now, Jesus doesn't leave us there. He takes us deeper in verse 25. Look at this. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Jesus, in this moment, he's speaking to what his audience at that time worried about the most. What they were going to eat, what they were going to drink, what they were going to wear. Those were very real worries for them because in this time it was very much hand to mouth every single day. And so they had this worry. And so if Jesus could speak to us in 2015, he might say to us, don't worry about your 401k. Don't worry about future health. Don't worry about what school your kids will or won't get into. Don't worry about your job or the one you're hoping to get. Don't worry about your life. Now, I mean, Ryan, doesn't that seem awfully insensitive of Jesus to say to us to not worry about our life? I mean, these things are kind of important, are they not? Does Jesus not think that these things that we have going on in our life are important? No, 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 that's not the point at all. He would say all those things are important and that there's even uncertainty in all of those things that we face And while they may not end up the way that we had hoped, he's saying there's a way to face tomorrow and not worry about it today. Let me say that again. There's a way to face tomorrow without worrying about it today. Anybody ever worried about tomorrow? Anybody ever? Anybody ever this week worried about the next day? Oftentimes it consumes our thoughts. And Jesus continues in verse 25. He says, is not life more than food And the body more than clothes? What's he saying? He's trying to pull us out of this hyper-focus that sometimes we get ourselves into. And he's saying, I'm not saying that those things aren't important. He's just asking the question, is life more important than your 401k? Is life ultimately more important than where your kids go to school? Is life more important than health? On and on. That Jesus is describing, he's just asking the question, not saying that those things aren't important from time to time. But is life more than those things? Now, if you thought that was insensitive, wait until you hear this. Jesus continues in verse 26. And he says, can you imagine Jesus on the mountain all those people? He's like, look at the birds of the air. Right? And Jesus would say to us, look at the birds of the air. Right? And I know what you're thinking because I've thought it. I ain't got no time to look at no dang birds, right? I need a job. My kids' grades are failing. 
My marriage is messed up. My car broke down yesterday. And you want me to look at the birds? And Jesus is saying, yeah, I want you to look at little birds. Little peaty bird. Right? Pretty bird, pretty bird. Here it is. Jesus says, I want you to look at the birds. See, Jesus is trying to help us with our worry. And he knows that what you're devoted to and where your devotion rests will bring about the emotion in your life. And so verse 26, he continues. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? It's a great question. These birds, they don't have a 401k account, right? They don't have a steady income. They don't have a college degree. They don't hold their little children's hands so that no harm will ever come to them. In fact, birds do quite the opposite with their children. They just push them over the edge of the nest. Say, good luck, right? Better start flapping those wings. To which I think is a great parenting model, if I'm being honest. I think that more of us could learn from that. But the birds don't even try. I mean, they're like, oh, it's getting colder. Maybe we should fly south. Oh, look at some twigs. Maybe I'll build a nest. Yeah, I mean, they don't even have to try. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then Jesus asks the important question, aren't you more valuable than them? Aren't you more valuable? Your next feeling? Do you think God cares more about you than the birds? You were made in his image. The birds were not made in his image. You and I were made in his image. You see, God loved us so much, he didn't send a bird to die for us, or a goat, or even a lion. He sent his own son in human form to die for us because we were that much more valuable than the birds. Every single one of us were made in his image. So let me ask you a question. And I'm being honest and serious. Do you believe that you are more valuable than the birds? You're supposed to answer either yes or no. Shake with me, yes or no. Or maybe you're not sure. You could just do the rolling. You're just not sure. Do you believe? I mean, I know this kind of sounds silly, but this is so important. Do you believe that you are more important than the birds? Oh, there it goes. Get better. Okay. Awesome. Half of you believe that you're more important than the birds. It seems kind of elementary, but actually it's quite significant. Because what Jesus is saying is that you cannot know about your future health and not worry. You cannot know about how your retirement's going to work out and not worry. You cannot know about the future safety of your kids and not worry. You cannot know about getting married again and not worry. That's what Jesus is trying to express to us. Your next fill-in, Jesus says, you can have uncertainty and not worry. You can have uncertainty and not worry. Now, he's not saying that you just throw caution to the wind, right? And you just like sit on the couch with a bag of potato chips and just wait for all this stuff to come rolling into your life. 
Jesus is saying, you still have to do your part. We've got to knock on doors. We've got to fill out applications. We've got to save responsibly. We've got to go out on dates. We've got to set goals, whatever it might be. We do our part. But here, here it is, your next fill-in. Once you have done your part, you trust God. You trust that God loves you more than the birds. Once you have done your part, you trust that God loves you more than the birds. And then Jesus asks a great question that you may have heard somewhere before in verse 27, Jesus continues, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour? Your next fill-in, can you by worrying add any certainty to your uncertainty? I mean, let's, let's be honest. How many of us have ever worried to a point that we felt certain about uncertainty? Anyone ever been? I mean, it just doesn't happen. Worry doesn't solve anything for us. And the truth is there are some of you that are living out something bad a thousand times over that maybe you were only supposed to experience once. Think about that. How many times have I relived a scenario in my mind that probably will never happen? Can worry add certainty that the next day? Absolutely not. Here's an idea. Look at the birds. Pretty bird, pretty bird. Look at the birds. When you're feeling uncertain, look at the birds. When you feel worrisome, look at the birds. That's what Jesus is saying to us. This idea that God loves me more. God loves you more. And so we say, I've done all I can do with what I have control over. And I can trust God with what I have no control over. So I'm not going to worry, but trust. It's this one simple prayer that says, God, I've done all that I can do, and now I'm going to trust you for the rest. God, I've done everything that I know to do, and now I'm putting all of this back into your hands. I'm not going to worry because I really have no control over what will happen, but I am going to trust the one who is in control of everything. You see that shift? That shift in thinking? And Jesus continues in verse 28. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And then there's that little line again. Do you remember from two weeks ago with Peter on the water, remember? And Jesus said, oh, you have a little faith. Which we really don't have a translation for. If you put those two Hebrews words together, really never go together. It would be like, you little faither, come on. It's like he's more teasing than anything. You little faither. I mean, if I can feed the birds and I can clothe the flowers, can I not do that for you? Come on, you little faither. I can do it for you. He's asking, do you trust your heavenly father? Now here's a statement that might really hit to the core for a lot of us. In fact, you might even be offended by this. And if you're offended, I'm okay with it. Because it's something that every one of us has to walk through and we all have to learn. 
And it's this, your next feeling, that worry is mistrust in God. Worry is actually mistrust in God. It says this, I know God can do that. I just don't know if he will. I know God could do that. I just don't know if he will. Worry is mistrust in God. Will you say that to the person next to you? Worry is mistrust in God. Say to the person on the other side of you. Come on. Even if you don't know him, it's okay. Worry is mistrust in God. Now, we don't like to think that way because we like to justify our worries. They, in some weird, strange way, become some sort of security blanket for us. The more I can obsess and worry about something, maybe then I have some more control over it. And when you step back, you think to yourself, how silly is that? Because the truth is is that not one of us in this room have ever had one moment of certainty in our entire life. When have you ever had certainty in your life? I mean, the only thing that has been certain in our life is that no good football team comes out of Green Bay. I mean, we, that, is, that, has been, that has been the only certain thing in our life. But in all seriousness, when have you ever had a moment of certainty in your life? You didn't. You know what's happened? We grew up and we just became more aware of how uncertain life is. You see, for my kids, they don't worry about the same stuff that I worry about. That's what growing up does to you. God wants us to grow up into him, trust in him. God is saying that you wouldn't stop worrying because the future was certain. You would stop worrying because you were trusting in your heavenly father instead of trying to dictate the future. That's what it does. And while much has changed in your life over the years, what about God has changed? I mean, as you look in your past, is there any point that God wasn't faithful? Is there a time he ever abandoned you? See, your next fill-in, the truth is worry is a waste of time. And if time equals life, then worry is a waste of life. Worry is a waste of life. And there are some of you in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you could actually say there have been periods of my life that have been wasted in worry. There have been parts of the best years of my life that have been wasted in fear and anxiety. And so this is what I would like you to do, and it's your next fill-in. When your brain starts to worry about uncertainty, tell yourself that is like throwing away your life. And I only have a certain amount of life, and I'm not throwing it away. Life, brain, heart. All this worry and fear and anxiety, it's like throwing away my life. And I only have a certain amount of life, and so I'm not going to throw away my life anymore. I'm not going to do it. When your brain starts to worry about uncertainty... Ask yourself this question, have I done all that I can do? 
Have I done all that I can do to prepare for retirement? Have I done all that I can do to find a future spouse? Have I done all that I can do to protect my kids? Have I done all that I can do to set us up for success financially? And if the answer is yes, then I simply say that prayer, God, I've done all that I can do, and I'm trusting you with the rest. I don't see the future, but you do, God, and I'm willing to put all of my trust in you. Your next fill-in, I've done what I need to do, and I'll trust God for what I can't control. And I would even challenge some of you this week, maybe you've been struggling with anxiety, it would be great for you every morning this week to open up to Matthew chapter 6 and just read this passage about looking at the birds. Let it become permanent in your heart. See, here's the interesting thing too. Excuse me, with every one of us that are believers in Christ and have asked him to be the leader of our lives. We all work with people and we live by people that experience the same kind of fears and anxieties that we have. And as Christians and followers of Christ, do you think that the way we handle fear should be any different than them? Do you think they should be able to see, yes, that we care? But we aren't ridden with anxiety and ridden with fear because there's something bigger and deeper in our life. It's the Spirit of God living inside of us that allows us to trust our Heavenly Father who said are more and more important than the birds and will clothe us better than the flowers of the field. I want them to see a difference in me when it comes to fear and anxiety. And that's why Jesus continues in verse 31. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we going to do about our future? And what about our kids? What about our finances? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying that if you and I worry the same way that people that do not know God worry, you know what that means? It means that when it comes to fear, we are atheists. When it comes to anxiety, we are atheists. That we don't believe that God's big enough and powerful enough to see us through whatever situation it is that we're facing. And that's why he would say to you and I today, your father knows that you need them. Your heavenly father knows about your finances. Your heavenly father knows about your retirement. Your heavenly father knows about your job. Your heavenly father knows about your kids. He knows about your marriage. Your heavenly father already knows. You see, Jesus is trying to teach us something important about trusting God. What would happen in your life if you really believed that? If you really lived your life that way, if you woke up Monday morning knowing that God was in control of all things and you could put all of your trust in him, what would change for you? How would your life look different? Again, he's not saying get in the hammock and sip a fuzzy drink or anything like that. You do your part. And God says, I'll do my part. But instead of worry, 
What can we do? Here's the answer that he closes us with in verse 33. Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness just means right standing with God. He says, put God first in your life and seek out right standing with God. In other words, making right choices that honor him. If you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, how many of these things? All of these things that he just got done talking about for the last several verses, all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What a thought. Jesus says, I want you to change your devotion. To channel your devotion to God. And it will change your emotion from worry to trust. I want you to channel your devotion. See, this is not an emotional issue. This is a devotion issue. Because we said, like we said when we started, the things that we are most devoted to, we worry about the most. But what if God is who we were most devoted to? What would happen to the worry in our lives? You know what happened? It would dissipate. It would dissipate right in front of us. And that's what Jesus is inviting all of us into. To put his agenda first and our agenda second. And if we would just stop and look at the birds... They don't even try, and I take care of them. How much more will I take care of you? About six years ago, my wife and I were making a transition from outstate back to Minnesota. We spent five years in Indiana. And here we are moving back right in 2009. Anyone know what happened in 2009? Right? Anyone else ever try to sell a home in 2009? And so here we are trying to sell our house, moving back home. And we moved home in July. And we had it on the market for a couple months already. And we moved and our house still wasn't sold. And so we moved and we left it there. We're thinking, okay, God, you got to help us sell this house. Paid July's mortgage. August came around. No bites, no buyers. Paid the August mortgage. Anyone ever have a situation where your savings was going down and nothing to show for it? <laughs> Felt like you were throwing money away. And that's the anxiety that we started to feel that what if? What if our house doesn't sell? And as I'm looking at our savings account, I know we've got about two months left to be able to pay for this house. And if this house does not sell, at that point, we're in trouble. And I remember, you know, as the man, as the provider of the family, the weight that sometimes you feel, even more so if you're a single parent, you feel that weight all the time. How is this going to be enough? And I remember having this feeling rolling into August and paying once again a mortgage for a house that we weren't living in in September, getting to our last months of savings and paying 
that bill. And really at the end of the day, throwing my hands up saying, God, we've done all we can do. And now this is in your hands. And so God, all this anxiety that I'm feeling and this worry and the what ifs and the uncertainty, God, show us how to trust you, but we just, we need you to do your part. We need you to come through. And the first week of September went by. Second week of September went by. I had no money for an October payment. Third week of September hits and our realtor calls and says, you won't believe it. We got an offer for exactly what you want for the house. He said, there's only one problem. I said, what is that? He's in a big hurry and he wants to close by next week. Is that doable for you? Can I just put you on hold real quick? I'm going to check my bank account real quick one moment. Yep, that'll work for us. Sounds good. And I kid you not, fourth week of September, flew back down to Indiana, signed those papers, and we sold our house in the nick of time. And I'm convinced that God could have easily sold our house in June as he did in September. But there was something about that process that God was leading us into to learn to trust him more. To bring us to an edge where there's nothing left that we can do and only God can do it. A point in our lives that he would bring us to that would say, stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at your resources. Stop looking at what you can do and start looking at the birds. And you think, God, how stupid. I don't want to look at the birds. No, I want you to look at the birds because if I can take care of them, how much more do I love you and I will take care of you. And suddenly when this transfer of trust begins to happen, our devotion goes to God and our emotion of worry begins to dissipate. So the question is, will you channel your devotion to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And then he says, if you will do that and start there, all these other things will be added unto you. Will you do that? It really can happen in this one simple prayer. God, I've done my part, and now I trust you to do yours. I'm choosing to seek you first in your righteousness and believing that all these other things will come into being. So would you mind just closing your eyes all over this room as we get ready to pray this morning? And maybe you're in this spot where God has been stretching your faith. Leading you to an edge of what seems like a valley of uncertainty. And maybe God would be whispering to you this morning. Look at the birds. Look at the birds. I don't know what your fear is. I don't know what... Your worries, I don't know what keeps you up at night, but God does. And in this moment, we're just going to take 30 seconds to begin a new commitment to say, God, I'm going to seek you first in your righteousness. And I'm knowing I've done my part, and I'm giving the rest to you. And so no matter where you're at in your battle with fear, anxiety, and worry, this morning, maybe we could leave it all here today. So just 30 seconds, you and God, we believe here at Riverway Church that you can talk to God and he can talk to us. And so would you just whisper to him maybe a prayer of dedication and ask him to help you today? Let's do that right now.
our Heavenly Father. My Heavenly Father. Remind us today that we get to call you Father and that you love us more than anything else you've created. And while you keep all of that in motion and in balance, remind us that you even love us more and will do that and more for us. God, this whole balance of fear and anxiety, it is a tiresome one. But today we want to defeat fear. We want to beat anxiety and leave worry at the doorstep today. So show us how to seek you first and how to aim towards putting our lives that we're in right standing with you. Show us how to do our part and then to hold tightly to your hand as we trust you for the rest. For the uncertainty of life, for tomorrow that we can't control, May our worry stop robbing us of the joy of today. So we give it all to you because it's all yours anyway. And we choose to live out of faith and trust and not fear. So today we devote ourselves to no longer wasting any more of our life on worry and fear. But we turn that devotion to you today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said,